What is going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and I've got a multiple repeat guest. I've got Danny Vega back in the house. He's been on the podcast more than any other person, I think, by far. And this is actually not an actual podcast. This is an audio file from the NACA competition that was held a couple weeks ago. So this was Danny's presentation. He dove deep into uh, his muscle intelligence program that he made in coordination with Ben Pakulski and focused on how to build muscle and just some different manipulations you can make in that regard while doing it in a keto-adapted state. Uh, this was really good because my presentation focused more on the nutrition. His presentation focused more on the actual exercise portion of body recomposition, so they complemented each other very well. Um, again, same as mine, the audio is not stellar because this is just an audio recording from the presentation, and there's a bunch of background noise because there was a this the venue had several booths and vendors there, so I do apologize for the background noise. Um, but hopefully that does not distract from the content. Hope you enjoy. Hope you learned something. Danny Vega. What's up, everybody? All right, so Robert covered nutrition, and today I wanna to talk about training because this is such an important thing. When people follow a ketogenic diet, you have to match your training to your diet. It's super important, and it's something that I see very overlooked right now, so today I'm gonna to be talking about, well, first about me. <laughs> I co-created this program, the Keto Muscle Intelligence Program, with one of my best friends, my business partner, Ben Pakulski. In my opinion, when it comes to building muscle, Ben is the smartest guy in the world. Um, I played college football. I was uh, the head strength coach for VCU basketball. Uh, I have a master's in human performance from UF, uh, top 25 ranked powerlifter in the country, top 10 ranked indoor rower in a few events in the country. Right now I'm a mediocre jiu-jitsu athlete, but I plan to change that. All right, so I just wanna give you guys kind of one of the, the reason why we even chose this logo. So that, what, what you see written on that logo is this quote in Aramaic. So what we wanna do, what we're pursuing is resilience. We're pursuing equanimity. For you to be in any situation, have the same kind of demeanor, and that makes you resilient, and that makes you basically able to handle any training stimulus, any, any type of cut, anything that, that life throws at you. So first I wanna talk about what keto is and what keto is not. So it's been spoken about here already, and especially if you're preparing for a bodybuilding competition, keto is not a free ride to eat anything you want as long as it's carb-free. That means, you know, crushing all the, the sugar-free sweeteners all day and eating all the fat you want all day, maybe, you know, to enjoy yourself, but especially if you have a goal and especially if you're trying to compete in physique sports, that's not what keto is. Keto's also not something that, that throws calories out the window. Calories still matter. And by the way, I love the video that Jonathan Shane made like a few months ago. I thought it was hilarious. It was basically, you know, him talking to himself, talking about, you know, well, does, do calories matter or do hormones matter? And both matter. And, you know, that's, everyone here has spoken about that. And also, there are fats that, especially with genetic issues that, that may lead to inflammation, that may lead you to uh, go down the wrong path health-wise. So that's what keto is not. Now, this diet is a very powerful state. The ketogenic state is so powerful for health, for performance. So these are all the things that keto is. 
And keto's definitely a great approach, but we have to, when we're training, we have to match our, like I said, we have to match our training to our nutrition. So today, what I'm gonna speak about are the top five reasons you're not building muscle on a ketogenic diet. It's 100% possible that you could be eating no carbs, you could be eating a, a, a zero carb diet, and you could still be burning a ton of sugar, and that's probably why you're not building muscle, you're not burning the fat that you wanna burn. So I'm gonna go into great detail in all of these. That's why I asked Cody to let me go last so I could talk, because I, I tend to talk a lot. All right, so. Protein, obviously the most important variable when it comes to building muscle. We, we always talk about it, the amino acids are the building blocks of muscle. So this is, the most, this is the most important thing and when I talk about my nutritional strategy, the way I do it, the way we do it with my family, we start with animal protein. That is the cornerstone of our diet. We are the answer to this plant-based crap that's going on right now. Um, so protein intake is very important. One of the things that, that I've been really trying to harp on recently because things that Dr. Dominic Diagostino has talked about, at the beginning of a ketogenic diet, you need to prioritize protein. You need to make sure that your protein's not too low at the beginning because while it's very possible that when you're losing that water weight at the beginning, it's just electrolytes and it's glycogen, it's very possible that you could be losing lean tissue as well. Um, while eating too much protein could trigger gluconeogenesis and you know protein turn into sugar and protein turn into a, a cupcake. While that's possible, it's possible. Um, it's it's highly unlikely, especially depending on you know where you. I always talk about your uh, metabolic state, your metabolic um, health, and your history, your the amount of muscle that you're carrying, and your your activity level. So, of course, I want to get into a few numbers here. So I wanted to be safe with a number that I think I could recommend to all physique athletes. Physique athletes, you wanna calculate your lean body mass in pounds by having your body fat percentage checked. Um, I recommend the DEXA scan, that's my favorite. Bod pod is my second favorite. The in body is, is useful but not that reliable. Like you can get off the in body and get right back on and you might see a different result. Um, once you set, once you find your lean body mass, let's say you're a 200 pound male with 15% body fat, I just set my, my protein to lean body mass. So this person's 170 pounds or of lean mass, so that's gonna be their protein. Like I said before, depending on um, your, your uh, history, the amount of muscle you carry, that could be more. You wanna divide that protein into two to four servings today, uh, a day for optimal protein synthesis. This is one of the things that I've been lately also kind of harping on because while we may absorb all of the protein that we eat in a day, there's, there's plenty of studies showing how the protein's absorbed. For the optimal protein synthesis to occur, we wanna be able to pace that protein out throughout the day. So, Everybody here probably knows it's pretty amazing how dialed in this community is. You guys know more than most people know. You know that carbs are, you know, one gram of carbs is four calories, one gram of protein is three-ish to four calories, and one gram of fat is nine calories. So you know that fat's more energy dense, so you know you need to have adequate fat. And this is a bare minimum. Bare minimum right here, especially if you're beginning, I would say a one-to-one -one fat to protein uh, ratio. And you know, if you're building muscle, especially if you look at the, the equation that I'm gonna share later, you're gonna notice that 
it's gonna be much more than one to one. It's gonna, your fat's gonna be higher. Um, obviously, if you're not eating enough protein or you're not eating enough energy, total energy, that's where fat comes in, you are not gonna, you're gonna have a hard time building muscle on a ketogenic diet. Um, some of the things that you can do to improve your performance, I know this is important for people. Um, you can look at adding 600 milligrams to 1,000 milligrams of alpha GPC. Um, I'm a huge fan of alpha GPC. So many things in our life, so many things that we do are depleting choline and we need to make sure that we are, have um, high levels of choline. Choline is very important along of course with B vitamins. Um, and then you, you add some MCT oil. That's a quick burning fat. That's, it's gonna be used very quickly for energy. You can experiment with strategic carbs, of course. Um, my favorite is you can super starch. There's lots of exciting things going on with super starch right now. Um, a lot of research that you might see hopefully in the future. Um, and of course, if you do try super starch, you can use that code. Um, when it comes to getting a pump, everybody knows here, everyone here has spoken about the importance of sodium. So sodium are, are very important. Of course, Redmond Real Salt, or I really like the, the new Redmond Relight Caps because you're, if you're OCD like me and you're trying to wean yourself, I'm trying to wean myself, okay? I'm trying to be a little bit less OCD, but it is kind of cool that I know that I'm getting exactly 562 milligrams of sodium when I take two Relight Caps. Um, you can add five grams of creatine. You can uh, add some methylated B vitamins. You know, everybody, I don't want to say everybody, but quite a few of us are going to have compromised methylation, so you might as well get it methylated already so you, you have a usable form. Um, these are all, of course, very important. Glutamine, of course, important for immune function, important for gut health. Glycine, collagen, you heard Will talk about that, the importance of, of having glycine, especially if you're eating a carnivore diet. You have a, a diet very high in methionine, you wanna balance that out with glycine. And then you see the important minerals for um, not only for performance, for mood, but also for testosterone production and methylated B vitamins. All right, so this is the one that I, this one's really important to me because I think there's a big chance that you're not executing it right in the gym. And, and so many things that I've learned from Ben, I've been able to really think about them and apply them. And, and one of the things is this issue of, of working hard in the gym. And there's no question that a lot of people are working hard in the gym. But if your idea is that you need to build the maximum amount of muscle, you have to focus on the quality of the contraction. So I'll talk a little bit about the importance of standardizing a stimulus, working with your anatomy, not just saying like, when you see a video that says best exercise for such and such, right off the bat, that's BS. Because that best exercise will not be the best for me. It may be the best for you, but it may not be the best for me depending on your anatomy. So if you're aware of what the role is of every muscle, what is the function of that muscle, you're able to look at yourself and see how you move. And then, of course, if you have a coach that's knowledgeable in this, um, they can help you with it. So the first thing is, of course, you're, you're, you're not having carbs. And that's important. And carbs are not important for performance. I would say that carbs do give you that look if you want, like a, if you have a photo shoot or if you have a show, they can help fill you out. But if you don't have carbs as fuel, you can't be training the way people who use carbs are training. And I think that's what's happening with a lot of people. I've had a lot of conversations offline here with people talking about how, especially if you've never lifted before, well, even if you have lifted before, chances are you are, there's two, one of two people. Either you, you weren't really lifting before, 
you kind of got healthy, it's time to build some muscle, I want to build some muscle, let me go online, I see so-and-so influencers selling their programs, They're, everybody's crushing it with them, I'll buy that person's program. Or even if you're a bodybuilder who was training you know, a certain way before and you start a ketogenic diet, you need to understand why that's, that's not a good idea, in my opinion. So you need to have, you need to make sure you're, you're uh, looking at your training volume, your maximum training volume, as well as your, your rest periods, your time under tension. All of these things are going to be less with a ketogenic diet if you want to be optimal. And especially if you want to build muscle without using any carbs at all, you want to live mostly in this area. So you don't want to overstress yourself. And I'll talk a little bit about what happens when you don't have carbs and you train in a way that, that makes your body want carbs. Um, so you may have been able to follow this higher volume training split with, with less rest, um, supersets, a ton of supersets with you know, a higher carb diet. And the reason why is because if, if you're taking pre-workout carbs, you're taking intra-workout carbs, you're taking post-workout carbs, any type of cortisol that, that is released during your workout, right off the bat, you're modulating that cortisol right away with, with carbs. So cortisol may be a little bit elevated with our diet, but that's okay. The problem is when it stays elevated because you have no way to modulate it because of the way you're living or the way you're, you're training. Um, so in our program, you'll notice that the volume is accounted for. We're, we're training mostly in the five to eight rep range. We're training with two to three minute um, rest periods. And where we, the reason why it's harder to do it our way is because when you're in this set, you're actually living in that set, which a lot of people don't do. And this, this applies to people who, who don't even follow a ketogenic diet. It's very important, but the problem is no one does that. Everybody kind of goes into cruise control. You go to the gym, by the time you, you leave, it's been an hour and a half, you sweat, you change, you, you know you got the workout in, but the same people coming in and out of the gym year in and year out is because they are not focusing. And there's a few things that you can keep in mind when you're training that will lead to those good results that you want. So you notice that we, I, I was telling people, because there's, there's programs, when you look at these programs, you look at them on paper and you're like, this looks like this is exactly what I need to grow some muscle. And then you do the program and it is by far way too much. Like it is just too much. Now you look at our program and you may think the opposite. You may be like, man, these rest periods are too long. But when you learn how to properly do a leg curl, for example, it's like you got to mentally prepare for that set of leg curls because for those five to six reps, you are 100% locked in. And I'll talk about a few things, even in this presentation that you guys, I can try to get you guys to understand what that looks like. Um, so we have, to ex we have to address the selection of the exercise that's in line with your anatomy. We have to um, take training volume, frequency, as well as intensity into a account when we're doing this. All right, so exercise selection. The first thing you wanna do is you wanna choose the movements that are best suited to your anatomy. I have a pretty large chest, I have a pretty big back. Um, for me to do an incline bench, to work on my upper chest, I can't go more than 30 degrees tops. I cannot go too high on the incline because I'm gonna be working much more shoulders. And then I could be training with my training partner who has a smaller chest and who is gonna get more out of that. So we have to keep those things in mind. Um, it, so comparative anatomy. I wanted to, to call on Robert because I this is a perfect example. Robert, why don't you stand up for a second? You, you see this, this trunk of a man right here? Um, 
<laughs> we have different proportions. My torso is about five inches. Um, uh, I, I have a tiny torso. I'm all legs and arms, right? He has a longer torso, shorter femurs. I have longer femurs. Robert can squat straight down, sit on his butt, and, and do that just fine. If I do that, I fall on my butt. You know, I have to go wider. I have to lean forward more. So those are the things that, that you guys got to think about. And that, that happens for all types of muscles. Thank you, bro. <laughs> um, so the goal is not to lift weights. The goal is to get the best contraction at every length of the contraction. Everybody, it's easy for me to flex my bicep. That's the shortened, the shortened end of the contraction. How do I flex my bicep in this lengthened contraction? And there's, there's ways to do that. I'll try to like cover it a little bit in this presentation. Hopefully you guys will start thinking about it. Um, if you're focused on that contraction, you're gonna get the best results. I've seen amazing results and I, I haven't really been trying to add muscle, but every time I do these things, when I'm, of course, when I'm locked in with Ben, when we're training together, um, we, we do go hard. So I'm just gonna grow, it's, it's, it's gonna happen. Um, all right, so compound movements. Here's where I get a little bit um, controversial because these comp compound movements and these mass builders a lot of the time are garbage for building muscle. They're very important. Um, what I mentioned here is it's important to, to, for maintaining structural integrity. And one of the things I told Robert yesterday is, you know, when you, when you get under a bar to squat, it's a whole different experience mentally than getting on a hack squat machine when you know you're on a track and you know that you're kind of safe even if you, if you drop it. So I think that these movements, they're, they're important um, especially, you know, for mental toughness, for, for you got to say that you squat. I mean, you still got to squat. Um, but it's not something that you need to make the cornerstone of your training if you're trying to grow your legs, especially because if you're squatting to build your booty, that you're going to have a hard time building your booty just squatting. There's, you have to do a lot more hip hinging. You have to do a lot more things that are going to um, activate your glute medius, your, your piriformis, your uh, hip rotators. So, all right. So like I said, your goal is to challenge the muscles. One of the first things I learned from Ben a few years back is the goal is contraction, not completion. Like have someone else count your reps. Go inside of your head, go inside of yourself and live in that set. That is the most important thing at the moment. Not what you're doing later, not when you gotta go pick up your kids, not don't run through what you're gonna eat after. This is what matters right now. And if you can do that when you're training, trust me, five reps is gonna suck. Six to eight reps is gonna suck. You're not gonna need the drop sets. You're not gonna need everything else. Um, you can make any movement difficult enough if you understand the way your body works. You can lower the load even. Even if you're injured and you're trying to work through injuries, you can use blood flow restriction. You can use a lot of other things that'll get you a really good contraction um, even when you can't handle a load. All right, so this is what we're gonna do right now. I want everybody to put their legs together and I want you guys to think about when you do a leg extension, first, let's just start by straightening your legs and feel, you feel how hard your quad is, right? You feel that, right? That's, that's, the, that's the shortened position and that's easy to do. Now, put your legs behind you under your chair. How do you, how do you get that contraction at the lengthened position? So what do you guys notice if you try to contract your quad in the lengthened position? Did you guys feel anything? Did you guys feel like you kind of lifted off the chair? 
That's because the first thing to initiate that movement, if you want to get that contraction in the lengthened position, you start by driving that hamstring into the chair. You, you drive that hamstring into the pad. You can do the same thing for a, a dumbbell bench, for example. When you come down on that dumbbell bench, if you want to get that, that contraction in the lengthened position, you initiate that movement by driving your rhomboids, these muscles back here, your rhomboids and your traps, into that bench. And I'm telling you, for me, that's what I start to see this kind of monstrosity start to build here just from doing that. So these are the type of things that we talk about. We talk about this in the videos. We talk about this in the demonstrations. MI40, for anyone who doesn't understand what, what MI40 is, it's a gym, but it's also muscle intelligence 40. 40 exercises, that's all that matters. It doesn't need to be more complicated than that, especially if you standardize the stimulus, you make every rep look the same, and then you build on it. All right, so if overall volume per day is lower, how do we, how do we get the, the um, sufficient amount of stimuli to, to grow our muscles? Well, one of the things that we like to do is we, we increase the frequency. So if you are looking forward to most of your week because you hate training legs, you'll hate this program because you'll do legs every day, you'll do upper body every day. You're just training more frequently, but just less volume per body part per day. Um, it's not to do more. Again, I mean, I'm gonna go over this a lot of times, but the goal is to do better. More is not better. Better is better, all right? Um, we like to train muscles two to three times a week. Sometimes we'll go heavier on the early days. If you do employ carb ups, that's kind of a good way to say, okay, on my two earlier days of the week, I'm staying in a much more ketogenic friendly, heavier, longer rest periods. And then if I do a carb up, then I want to schedule the day that I'm, that I'm doing low rest periods, higher volume, drop sets, um, NOS sets, neurological overload sets that, that Ben popularized. Those are just three drop sets with, a, with like a 20 to 30%, I think, drop in weight each time. That's, that's when you're going to take those carbs pre-workout and then you're going to burn right through them during the workout. Um, all right, so obviously the body parts that you connect well with when you're doing a movement, when you feel them right away, you're not going to need as much. The more you increase your um, intramuscular coordination, the less it's going to take to stimulate that muscle and the less it's going to take to overstimulate that muscle. So that's why our beginner program, I think I mentioned, yeah, in our beginner program, it's, it's five days versus a advanced pro program is four days. And I've spoken, I know you had issues with the beginner program. Beginner program, if you are highly trained, is gonna be like almost too much for you. But beginners need to develop that skill. You need to acquire that skill. So we spend more time in that skill acquisition period in the beginner program and we also offer um, ideas for if you're still not feeling the muscle. I remember Maura, it took her two years to feel her lats. And she was trying every time. And it takes time. So, so you may find that you do like an extra drop set on your last set um, in the beginner program. That's one of the things that you can do. All right, so this is what we're trying to do is we're trying to get the nervous system efficient. And what that simply means is we're trying to develop a motor pattern that your body is automatically doing. So if I were to take five videos of you doing the same exercise and I superimpose them, every single rep would look the same in all five videos. Um, this is measured by the intensity of the contraction. So when you're going inside and when you're living in your head and you're you know, really trying to get the most out of that set, pay attention to your contraction. Is your contraction rock hard, intense contraction? 
um, almost to the point of cramping where you're like, yeah, this really, I really feel this? Or is it like maybe every now and then like, oh, my fifth rep, I felt my booty on that one. Like, but, but on, the, on the sixth and seventh, you know, like it's gonna take time, that's fine. Just keep on, don't increase the weight, don't increase anything until you're able to standardize the stimulus. All right, so this is another thing that, that Ben talks about, SSI, set up, stabilize, initiate. So I talked about the initiate piece um, recently when I just talked about the leg extension, leg curl. Um, but the most important thing is the setup. First of all, exercise selection. Some exercises fit your structure, other, others do not. Do not do exercises just because so-and-so said it was awesome. Maybe try it and see like according to your anatomy if that works, but don't worry about what your favorite YouTube celebrities doing. Here's another controversial one. Bench press, squats, uh, especially bench press on a bar. They're, they're terrible exercises for a lot of people who, who are trying to do a physique sport. Don't get me wrong, I love them. I was a power lifter, but if you're doing a physique sport, that's probably not gonna be the cornerstone of, of your muscle building um, exercises. All right, stabilize, super, super important. I wanna just take a, sec, a second to talk about Derek Lunsford, a friend of ours who has placed twice in the Olympia, Mr. Olympia, largest stage in bodybuilding the last two years. He, he would get, last year we were training with him and we were getting, he was getting ready for the Olympia and he would get elbow pain before we did chest. So all we did was we do these things and I don't even know if Ben calls them this, but I call them this, BPAC triceps extensions. We're basically a, a movement that is challenging the lengthened portion of the, of the tricep extension, but you have your ropes right here. So it forces you, because it's coming from back there, it forces you to retract your scapula and it, as long as he did that before we benched and before we did anything, there was no, um, no issues with his elbow. So if you are in the proper alignment, remember your muscles, they have a function and they're gonna, they're gonna do that function. But the minute you start to try to complete a movement and do it in a way that's not in line with your anatomy, your body's still gonna do it, but in a less than optimal way. And that's when you feel pain, that's when you won't see the results. Um, of course, we talk about standardizing the stimulus. So if you know how to initiate a movement, that's how you will know that you're getting the best, again, the best contraction at every length of the contraction. All right, so you notice a trend here. You're, you're doing too much work and not enough good work. That's where people think, well, maybe I need to work harder. I'm not losing fat. Um, I'll talk a little bit about also the importance of staying in a fat burning state, but if you're training smart, you're gonna get fatigued quickly. You're gonna feel that. And you may, you may go through a period where at first it doesn't feel as hard to do less reps, but the minute you get to that, that level of coordination and the, that level of, of skill, you're gonna feel it. Um, certain types of training will lead to using more fat for fuel. This is, this is what I've been talking about. Some types of training will require more carbohydrates and as fat adapted as you are, we know from the FASTER study that, that I think a sugar burner, at, you know, they'll, they'll get to 56% of their VO2 max before they start burning more sugar than, than fat. Well, a fat adapted athlete is probably closer to 75 to 80%. And you have people like Zach Bitter, who's closer to 85 to 90%. And I would, I would probably think someone like Robert is probably right around that point too. Um, that being said, if you are training in a way that keeps you at that high level too long, even that is eventually not gonna be able to keep up. And I wanna just put my uncle on blast, I love him, but he was calling me uh, the other day because he, he looks amazing, 
Um, he's been training for a triathlon. He, he actually did his first triathlon. And he texts me and he says, well, my, my A1C is 5.7 and my blood sugar is elevated in the morning. You know, how could that be if, if you know, I'm eating a carnivore diet? Uh, what do you think that is? And I was like, right off the bat, I had to ask about his training. And it's, it's, it's just so um, happens to be that he was spending a lot of time in that zone four, um, which you don't need to know about the zones, but you do need to know that he was training at too, in, too high of an intensity. Plus he was doing um, training fasted, which that was another thing that Will spoke about. I love that he mentioned, you know, no more than two to three times a week in, in that hit type of stuff. Um, no more than uh, don't fast uh, more times than you need to or, or longer than you need to. Um, of course, primal endurance for anybody who wants to train for an endurance event. I, I highly suggest you read that because they talk about the same things. You want to make sure that you are as much as possible in a fat burning state. You know, the typical um, elite athlete, especially endurance, is going to spend 80 to 90% in that aerobic zone and they're only going to spend 10 to 20% in that anaerobic zone. So there's like no in between for them. The problem is the typical person that's training today is about 50% in that aerobic zone and 50% in something called like the black hole, which is the space between your maximum aerobic heart rate and your anaerobic threshold, which it just so happens that it, it feels not like much. You could, chances are you could be jogging at a pace that um, you can keep your mouth closed, you can breathe through your nose, but you're in that black hole. And you know, a lot of people like that feeling they get when they first start opening up, they feel like, oh, now I'm getting a workout. Chances are you're in the black hole. So you have to train yourself to get to a point where you increase your fitness, but do it in a slow fashion so that all you do is over time, you increase the pace that you can maintain in that fat burning state. Like I said before, we work on the density of our training. Um, so we, we do more in the sets that we're doing. Um, total work is also a big consideration. Like I said, even if you're managing rest periods, if you're doing you know, 50 total sets and you're in the gym for three hours because you're maintaining those rest periods, that's eventually gonna also come back to bite you. All right, so you're not eating enough. This one is huge. Uh, is Birdo in the house? Yes, all right, I love, I love that Birdo's in the house because he's like a perfect example of, of, of a dude has been consistently eating, you know, 3,700 to 4,000 calories for the last several months. I think at this point, several months. He looks amazing, he doesn't look fluffy, he looks hard, and you know, more than like 20, 30 carbs a day tops, that's all he's eating. So this Instagram crap, man, I'm telling you, like all these young kids, I feel so bad because they, they want to always look ripped for the gram. You, you got to eat. And you have to, like Robert says, you have to dedicate periods to growing. And in those periods, chances are you're going to have to eat past satiety pretty much all the time. And that's just how it works if you want to put on muscle. It's not exactly like we're doing a, a natural thing here. We're, we're asking our body to add a ton of muscle. We need to feed it. Um, of course, amino acids, micronutrients, all of these things if you're eating enough, you're going to have all those things and everything. You're going to be in the right environment for building maximum muscle and burning maximum fat. You're also going to have plenty of leeway and plenty of levers to pull when you start cutting. You know, if, if I, I have people, I just have, you know, someone that just reached out to me that I'm going to be taking over for a, a, a show prep. And it's hard because 
if you're already eating very low calorie in the beginning of your prep or even like with six weeks out, it's hard for like, how do we fix that? Now we gotta try to fix the metabolism a little bit so we give ourselves some leeway. If you do that from the beginning, you're, you're gonna be in better shape. Um, okay, so talking about the previous male. So this male, this example, as low as, um, let's see, 3,000 calories and as high as 4,000 calories for this guy. Um, and you know, you can do more than this, but I think this is safe um, as far as putting on quality muscle and putting on quality mass and not worrying about, you know, I only put on 10, 10 pounds in, in three months. It's not sexy to say that, to, to say, well, you're, you're gonna have to wait a little bit longer and, and, and control yourself a little bit more, but if you're doing it right, that's the right way. All right, this is a huge one. Um, I'm so happy and so grateful that, that Lauren talked about this, you know, the importance of mindful living and gratitude, and that's all included into this. And this, this piece is the most important one out of all of these because this is pretty much the main reason why all those things are happening. If you're in a stressed state, you will not burn the maximum amount of muscle, you will not burn the maximum amount of fat. Chances are you're gonna be burning very little fat and you may be burning through lean tissue as well. So this is very important. I would argue that this is probably more important than cutting your, your carbs and, and all of those things. Get that in, unless you're eating like crap, unless you're eating like McDonald's, take that crap out. But make sure that you address these issues, okay? The other thing is, of course, this is just a, a mindset part. Stress is not the event itself. It's your interpretation of the event. When I talk to my son, and I said, why you do that? Why did you do that, Desmond? And he tells me, because Dean pissed me off and he did that. So Dean didn't make you do that. It's the way you reacted to him, the way you responded. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about stress. You're not going to get rid of stress. We live in an imperfect world and it's, it's never going to change. The only thing you can change is how do you address that stress, how you respond to that stress. Um, so we talk a lot, you know, I mentioned this already before, like if you are in a stressed environment, your catecholamines are high, your, your, you know, your cortisol is elevated, you're gonna be burning through more sugar, um, and you don't have anything to modulate cortisol and serotonin if you're not eating carbs, so you have to be, pay attention to that. Um, taking carbs to start a ketogenic diet could make these problems worse if they're not addressed, so address them first. All right, so I wanna talk a little bit about daily things that I do. Um, you have to have a morning to, I don't wanna say you have to, but in my opinion, for me, what works really well is you have, you have to have a morning routine. You wanna have things that you're doing every day, um, walking, especially if walking outside in nature. Um, this is just, it's a dynamic aerobic exercise and across all populations, all diets, people who walk live longer, they're less stressed, so walking is a very important thing. And of course, um, there, there's a ton of research looking at walking and cognitive uh, function is preserved or improved. Um, lots of things are happening there that are positive. Um, breathe, breathe. This is so important, especially if you're trying to build muscle. Try to breathe through your nose the whole time when you're training. That's, that's something maybe you can't do right now, but it would be a nice goal to as much as possible, you wanna teach your body to hold that CO2 in as much as possible so you can drive that blood flow into the muscles and you can, those muscles will be uptaking everything, all that oxygen and, and you'll get better contractions. 
Um, of course, you want to learn how to belly breathe, diaphragmatic breathing, in and out of the nose. You want the, the belly to expand outward. You don't want to push the belly out this way. You want, when you're properly breathing through your diaphragm, you start a breath, it'll probably start expanding at your belly and then only at the very end is when your chest will expand. If you feel like you're breathing up in your chest, you're not, you're not breathing diaphragmatically and you're probably kind of stressed too because on days when I'm stressed, my breathing during meditation, I know, I'm just aware. It's not a bad thing, it's not like I got an F on meditation that day, I just know like I'm kind of stressed right now. Um, so, of course, you gotta be relaxed if you're, if you're stressed. And again, if you're stressed, remember there's your, your parasympathetic and your sympathetic system. If you are in fight or flight, your body is gonna kick out that sugar and, your, and the catecholamines and that's, there's no way you're gonna be able to burn fat. You cannot burn fat in that state. So you wanna make sure, and that's whether it's real or manufactured. And when I say manufactured, I'm talking about all the, the fasting way too much, taking way too much caffeine, taking stimulants, not sleeping enough. Um, breath holds, some of the, again, talking about trying to see how long you can hold your breath. So um, you can try to do something like hyperventilate for like 10 breaths. And then on the 10th breath, after you exhale all the way, hold your breath for about 10 seconds. See how you can do and then see if you can lengthen the amount of time that you hold your breath. This is one of the things that will make you more resilient. When Ben and I train, Ben goes to that place where not that many people go and you kind of see Jesus there and everybody's, you know, he goes there and he gets off the machine or whatever we're doing and he takes a big nasal breath and he calms himself down. You can push yourself much harder if you learn how to do that and breathing is the key. Breathing is the key to all of this. Of course, meditation and yoga, um, both practices are enabling you to Enhance and contract your focus. I highly recommend the waking up course for anybody who's not done it. I think Sam Harris is as good as anybody in the world when it comes to teaching us how to not only focus on one thought or focus on one thing, but also expand it. The ability to expand and contract your focus. Sometimes I meditate with my eyes open, which is kind of cool. Um, of course, it always starts with the breath. You always have a focal point or your surroundings or a sequence of moves like when it comes to yoga so you can be present. When you are trying to do one of these weird freaking yoga poses, you're not gonna be worrying about the bills that you haven't paid or the person who didn't call you back or all of that. The other thing, it is impossible, impossible for you to be a victim if you're being grateful. So practicing by starting your day with gratitude by just saying three things that you're grateful for and then ending your day by saying three things that you're grateful for that happened that day, that's when you're gonna be in the right mind state, that's when you're gonna be grateful and you're gonna kind of forget all this other crap where you think, oh, they should have treated me better, they should have done that, or, you know. Um, Carnivore 75 Hard, I wanted to mention this, this, is our friend Judy Cho, Nutrition with Judy. Um, who's doing Carnivore 75 Hard? Few people? <laughs> I see that the hands raised, okay. Um, check it out, I think it's a great idea. It's basically this idea that these last 75 days of the year, it actually, she got it from Andy Frazella who has a 75 hard program. Taking these last 75 days of the year to of course focus on our health and do all these things, be consistent versus trying to backpedal and trying to fix everything that we did in the last two months of the year, the first two months of the year. But what I really love is the, the fourth and fifth points that she talks about is gratitude practice, 
and complimenting one person in one person in person, like real world, where you actually see people every day. Um, and I just think that's a beautiful thing, and I think that kind of incorporates these things, and it'll, it'll be a great start for you to really get um, stress management practices. All right. So I'm also gonna um, share something that I'm doing during Carnivore 75 Hard where I want to really finally nail down my night routine because my night routine is what's really kind of missing and, and I think that's, that's the one thing that I want to improve. Of course, sleep routine. It starts in the morning, starts when you wake up. You want to postpone your coffee as much as you can because your cortisol is already going to be elevated. Um, you want to get as, as much sunlight as possible early on, at least 20 minutes in sunlight. You could also do red light therapy, um, grounding, go outside, take your shoes off, go in the grass, connect with the earth. You will, there's a lot of stuff that's happening electronically. That's why I bring my grounding bracelet with me when I'm on these trips too. Um, meditation, sauna, cold shower. This is what I do in the morning. I meditate in the sauna. I take a cold shower immediately after and I exercise in the morning. Sleep routine at night, this is very important. This is where I think all of us really, really have issues. Um, this is, if you wanna get the best, uh, the best HRV, the best uh, sleep, you wanna stop eating at least two hours. Out of all the things that I've tried, that's the most important one. And some people can do three to four hours. I personally cannot, I, just, I can't fast that long at night. Um, so you wanna read for 30 to 60 minutes. Like what I wanna be doing is I wanna to read to my sons like for like 20 minutes and then I read something to myself, 20 to 30 minutes. That's not work related. Well, for me, work is awesome. So I am reading work related stuff. Um, disconnect from the screens, connect with the humans. We do, we draw at night, we do puzzles, we do, um, we read. They get to pick their books and you know, it's so much better then like the last thing I want to do is like look back and be like, man, there was like probably like 7,000 days in my life that looked exactly the same at night where we sat down, we ate dinner, we watched TV, we went to sleep. That, that sounds terrible to me. Um, disconnect from the screens. This is a new thing that I want to be doing. I want to see if doing this again at night um, will also help me, especially with temperature regulation, seeing like playing with heat and playing with cold to see which one is better. Um, create a sleep cave, you want it to be dark, blackout curtains, no LEDs, put pieces of tape on every single LED light in your room, like the little red dot, all those things. Um, make sure that you have uh, clean air, make sure that you are, your house is mold free, that's a very important one. Um, you can use an air purifier, of course 64 to 69 degrees, super happy about that one because I could reference it when my wife tells me she's cold at night. And, um, free of electronics, you could do a kill switch. If you have, I have um, uh, what you, an EMF blocker on my phone. Uh, the crazy thing is that I was at the gym with Ben and we, we had an EMF reader and the EMF was so high in the whole gym that it didn't matter that I had an EMF blocker on my phone. Um, that's maybe a little more controversial because some people have, you know, don't think EMF is as harmful as, as we do, but you want to try to get, I got my phone in my, in my uh, bathroom charging in the bathroom. I got it on do not disturb every night. I put my phone down at 7 p.m. every night and this is how I get good sleep. This is how I can stay connected with my family and it's really important if you're trying to get the maximum amount of sleep, the best sleep you can to grow muscle. All right, so here are a few things that you can be taking at night. So the first one, um, magnesium, 
the different types of magnesium, they, they all have different kind of, a few different unique um, benefits. Overall, my morning magnesium is my magnesium glycinate. I just started adding magnesium three and eight at night. Um, it acts as a mild sedative. It can increase your deep sleep. It can also decrease nocturnal cortisol levels. Potassium citrate can also work synergistically with magnesium to lower the incidence of nocturnal, nocturnal spasms in the limbs. So some people who have issues with uh, cramping at night may want to try that out. Um, as well as, you know, if you, have, if you find that you're waking up, you may not know it, but that cramping may be what's waking you up. So think about that because that way you don't wake up in the middle of the night. I think if the reason why I'm waking up in the middle of the night and I'm going to the bathroom or something is because something woke me up. It might not have even been the, the fact that I needed to go to the bathroom. Um, tryptophan is a great one. Um, you can take uh, tryptophan. I take tryptophan adaptogens. These two uh, tend to be really good. The reishi mushrooms, which are also great for immune function. Ashwagandha is an adaptogenic herb, which is awesome. L-theanine, I take lots of L-theanine. I take it in the morning, I take it at night. A lot of these things, they, they help also increase BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor that um, are helping you grow new neurons and helping you maintain like the best cognitive function. So L-theanine is one of my favorite uh, compounds, period. Zinc can help you. That's why ZMA, they say like take ZMA at night can boost. There is some research behind that. Um, taurine can reduce stress. It's an amino acid. It can increase your GABA. And then vitamin B6, B6 if you're one of those people you want to do like lucid dreaming, vitamin B6 can help you re remember your dreams more vividly. All right, so I wanna just cover just two things on the mindset piece, um, discipline and integrity. These, these are the two things, these are like cornerstones of, of our philosophy, um, our vision, and discipline. This, this is, I see this with Robert, with Logan, with all my friends here, Champions live on the edge of their comfort zone. We seek discomfort. We love the growth. We love the, the, what comes out of it. And we're always doing things that are gonna make us grow. I, I hate jujitsu sometimes. I really do. I, I'm like, I get these flashes of brilliance, but it's, it's really hard for me. It's, it's completely out of my comfort zone. But I do it every day because I know I'm gonna get better and I know that I'm gonna grow from it. Um, and imagine what happens when you compound that daily discipline. You don't have to be on all the time, but you do have to be consistent. And the problem is, I've seen this throughout the years, so many people that I know where they go on a diet and they look great. After three months, they finish the diet, and then maybe like a year later, they do it again. And I've kept plugging away. It's been 25 plus years for me now, consistently, where I've barely ever taken you know, a, a week off, more than a week off, and it was probably you know, strategically. Um, and that compounds over time. That compounds in lifting, that compounds in business, um, and discipline is a learned trait. It's a habit. Of course, integrity, your word is the only thing you've got. You must, if you say you will, then you must. Um, don't worry about hurting others' feelings. This is one that you know, I'm trying to get better at, is being 100% authentic, even when it's a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and saying no this is something that I never, I never do. It's, I'm, I'm getting better at it, I'm trying. Um, but sometimes it's important to say no, not only to other people, but to things that are not important, to things that, that are maybe urgent, but not important. And that's what we do. We live our lives in this urgency. We're checking our emails, but we're not doing what's important. We're forgetting, we're getting lost in that. So discipline and integrity, super important for the mindset piece. Now, 
for everything that I've spoken about today, you guys can go to www.ketomusclebuilding.net. You'll get the slides if you just put in your, um, your email. And then if you want to download a free copy of this in PDF form, you can go to go.muscleintelligence.com keto. And I'm not even gonna try to give you the link for the program, but there's a link for the program on the page. Uh, if you sign up with your email and uh, you wanna get the slides, there's a link at the top of the page. And I'll leave the questions for the panel, because I know uh, Cody says that we're gonna be answering questions on the panel. Um, that's it.